Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Mark Voss, who's Business Development Manager for EMEA and Manhattan Associates. And today we're going to talk about trends and challenges in the European transportation market. Now, you know, here in the United States, it's very easy to become, you know, hyper-focused in terms of what's happening here in, in the U.S. with regard to transportation. Um, but the reality is that particularly for a lot of our clients and, you know, followers, is that they have you know, operations around the world. So it's critically important to really keep a pulse on what's happening in other transportation markets around the world. And, and that's certainly true in terms of Europe. I mean, a lot going on in the European transportation market. And it's great to have Mark with us on the program today. He was kind of in the front lines of this and sees this every day with the, the companies he's, he works with there in Europe. So uh, uh, looking forward to he, you know, hearing his uh, you know, perspectives and insights and advice on, on this topic. So uh, Mark, welcome to the program. Thank you. So, so, Mark, you're a first-time guest. I'm talking logistics, and like I always do when someone new comes in the program, I'm always curious about how they got involved in supply chain logistics to, to begin with. So, you know, why don't you briefly just tell us a little bit about your career path and how and why you got involved with supply chain logistics and what your current role and responsibilities are there at Manhattan? Okay. So, yeah, how do I get involved in transportation logistics? Uh, really simple. During my final two years at uh, university, my master's degree in economics, um, I got an, uh, an, yeah, really an interest in transport and logistics. I have to know that, that my uncle at the time was uh, head of uh, the largest industry body for uh, representing transportation and logistics service providers in the Netherlands. So that probably yeah, pushed me in that direction. And after I graduated, I joined a, a startup company called uh, Metapack in London, uh, very small at the time, and I uh, got yeah, some great years there. And after four years, I decided I got this fantastic opportunity to start working for uh, Manhattan Associates, where I'm nowadays uh, a business development manager working in EMEA uh, with customers and prospects to kind of identify the value of our transportation management solutions, what can offer to their businesses. Great, great. So a, a little family influence perhaps there. And, uh, Absolutely. You know, and then obviously, you know, I think you made the right choice, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, way back at, at the university when you kind of got interested in this industry, because obviously there's so much going on uh, in this industry. It's just a continuous op opportunity. So uh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, so, so let's, you know, to, to get started, I mean, what are some of the, you know, key trends and challenges that you're seeing in, in the European transportation market today? Well, there's many trends, but I think one of the, the key trends we're seeing at the moment, especially across Western European countries, is grocery retailers investing in their convenience store formats, and that's yeah, largely in response to the changing consumer behavior. So I don't know what about the U.S., but in Europe, uh, European co consumers are nowadays buying more and more smaller amounts. Uh, more frequently in comparison with the past, where they would, the people would go for a large weekly shop uh, on uh, the, the Saturday or something like that at the local supermarket. And nowadays, people do yeah, more smaller shops. And as a result of that, the complexity has really increased for those grocery retailers. And looking at many things like uh, the location of these convenience stores, they are typically located closer to the consumer. So in city centers, in railway stations, in service stations. And that means that uh, the retailers have to take into account various things like um, restrictions with regards to uh, unloading space for the trucks, even road access to the stores. Um, so that really impacts the, 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 the vehicle selection. 
Uh, another thing is delivery time windows for city centers. They seem to be becoming more the norm than the exception nowadays. And of course, uh, yeah, environmental constraints. Uh, look at uh, London and Paris where there are yeah, major restrictions at the type of vehicles that are allowed uh, to, to enter the, the streets. And then also, Another element there is the frequency that they have to replenish those convenience stores that typically have a, a limited storage available. So uh, retailers are faced with the fact that they have all these restrictions but need to replenish those stores more often throughout the day. And then the yeah, final part of that is the prevalence of these convenience stores where uh, these convenience stores, uh, the consumers will not necessarily go to the same convenience store every single day depending on their route home the, yeah, the activities that day, they might decide to use a different convenience store each day. So put it all together, it means that yeah, the grocery retailers need to remodel their network on a regular basis, but also the daily planning of their operations is becoming yeah, a lot more complex than what they used to be. Yeah, no, I think, you, you, you know, uh, certainly here in the United States that the grocery industry is, is kind of in the spotlight again today, obviously, uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, Amazon uh, announced that it was acquiring Whole Foods, so that has, you know, uh, you know, created a lot of speculation and, and a lot of, uh, uh, you know, excitement and also fear, if you will, in terms of what's going to happen to to that yeah. segment of the market uh, here. But I think you know the high level trends you talked about there are also evident here. I think across multiple industries, you know, the the, the fact that um, you know whether it's retailers or other businesses are looking to carry less inventory, so they're looking for you know, order in smaller quantities, order more frequently, yeah, uh, more frequent, you know, more deliveries. And I think that's having a ripple effect, obviously, from a, from a transportation standpoint. Yes, definitely. definitely. Now, now, what about, you know, a lot of discussion here around, you know, regulations, and that's having a, a big role here. Are regulations having a, a big impact there as well? Oh, absolutely. Um, the authorities on, on yeah, European level, national level, and even local level, uh, they're constantly introducing new legislation with regards to health and safety, but yeah, especially the environment. But even earlier this week, um, Transport for London, which is the body that controls like all the main roads into London, uh, they introduced a new rating system with regards to driver visibility on uh, heavy goods vehicles. And that has a massive impact um, on yeah, the, the shippers, uh, how they can deliver their products because uh, yeah, the, the transportation companies will have to basically um, introduce or buy new vehicles potentially. So yeah, it's a massive impact on the market. And that's besides all the environmental regulations that have been introduced and are becoming more and more stricter every single day. Right. I mean, I think that's certainly one of the key differences, I think, between, uh, you know, Europe and here in the U.S., you know, the, the, the environmental and the sustainability, you know, types of, uh, you know, regulations and, and considerations that I think are, yeah. uh, you know, certainly more, um, you know, stringent there in Europe or more widespread. I mean, I, I had a guest on the program uh, earlier this year uh, also focused on, on Europe, and, and he kind of made the comment about, you know, that, that Europe is not the United States of Europe, right? It's actually very diverse you know, uh, you know, geography, you know, I would think that, you know, particularly from a regulation standpoint, that, you know, part of the challenge is harmonizing, if you will, or keeping track of all the different regulations for all the different member states that are part of Europe. Well, there is, there is, I, think, I think the European Union has done a great job in, in trying to harmonize and also with their policies with regards to how to influence transportation uh, routes and links uh, across Europe. Uh, but I think it, it's more on national and especially local level, where especially cities have yeah, increasing powers to basically restrict the access of yeah, heavy goods vehicles in 
uh, the city centers at particular times of the day. And I think that is where uh, I think most shippers and, and transport companies yeah, uh, have to take into account. Great, great. Yeah, no, I agree. I know there's always talk here about, um, you know, doing congestion pricing or, you know, limiting, you know, in places like New York or LA or San Francisco. And I think, um, again, I think Europe is further ahead in terms of, uh, yeah. you know, implementing those types of policies. But, but I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if we see more and more of that here in the United States as well. Yeah. Um, you know, another topic, you know, that, um, you know, it's getting a lot of attention here in, in the U.S. is, you know, home delivery and, and discussion around the Amazon effect. You know, I, yeah. I mentioned the Amazon earlier. Um, you know, they, they continuously make, you know, the headlines here. I mean, are you seeing, you know, similar he headlines there in, in Europe, you know, in terms of the Amazon effect and what's going on with home delivery? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and um, you know, we see European retailers offer a full range of fulfillment services from home delivery and click and collect. And especially, I think, click and collect is increasingly becoming more popular with consumers. And that's for the simple reason is that uh, consumers can don't have to stay at home to receive uh, those deliveries. And especially with uh, click and collect now being available beyond the typical collection in the store of the retailer where you've purchased it, it's also available uh, from locker boxes, a collection from dedicated pickup locations. And we've even seen a few examples where retailers are looking at, especially grocery retailers, to looking at delivery vans positioned at strategic routes at parking lots to basically assist people to collect their goods. And um, I think one of the key element there is, is that it's very important that retailers manage it correctly because it can quickly become uh, one of the most expensive ways to fulfill an order. And you can really see the difference between the, the novice and the best-in-class operators there. Uh, the customer experience in general is the same, but it's the backhand that really makes the difference for the retailer, whether there's a reward for the retailer to actually offer that service. And But there's also opportunities, of course, for uh, these retailers. Um, think about uh, Asda. I don't know if you're familiar with Asda, but Asda is the UK's uh, subsidiary of Walmart. And they've introduced a, a first of its kind, a kind of a groundbreaking uh, collection uh, service and return service to all their stores. And the unique thing there is, is that it only allows uh, offers to the consumers to collect goods from Asda, but also goods from third-party retailers, especially online retailers, who have the benefit of yeah, taking advantage of basically this like, incredible infrastructure network uh, that ASDA has in place. And but the good thing for ASDA is, is that um, consumers tend to combine a click and collect with a quick in-store purchase. So ASDA reckons that with all these additional collections they will get in store, they expect about 40 million extra um, by uh, 2019, that means that they can potentially unlock yeah, new revenues uh, by using their already available network that they've got. That's a great. That, that's a great example. I think it ties in nicely with uh, you know a topic that I've been talking about and speaking about a lot in terms of how do you leverage your logistics, transportation, you know your existing infrastructure and technology and so forth. Yeah. Not, uh, not 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 view it as a as a cost center, but you view it as a competitive weapon as a way to drive revenue growth. And I think yeah. that's a great example there uh, of, of ASDA kind of leveraging yeah. their infrastructure and their capabilities uh, to bring people to their stores, right? To, to, and ultimately, the, the main objective there is not only enhance the customer experience, but ultimately impact the top line. 
Oh, absolutely. And it's a great opportunity that they, they, they saw. And, and yeah, we, we were very delighted to be part of that and, and offering kind of our yeah, algorithms and, and solutions to kind of uh, determine the optimal routes and to kind of make that balance between service levels, as you said yourself, and, and profitability. So that's, yeah, it's a great opportunity for retailers to look into. Right. I mean, I've seen statistics in terms of, you know, the adoption of things like click and collect either at the store or in, in things like lockers and things like that, yeah. certainly much higher adoption rates there in Europe than, than here in the United States. So I think, yes. you know, for us here, um, you know, I think it's, it's worthwhile to take a look at, you know, some of the, the best practices and leading practices, just like you described there, um, because I think there's a lot of lessons learned already uh, and, and that companies here can start adopting, right, yeah. uh, you know, to, to, you know, navigate through this, this environment that everyone's talking about in terms of from an Amazon experience. Uh, effect standpoint, which at the end of the day is really about you and I as consumers are really dictating the rules, aren't we? Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting that, that when you say, you know, you and I, we determine the rules, it's, it's, it's taken some of the retailers by surprise, whereas most retailers thought there would be a, a balance of 30% uh, click and collect, 70% home delivery. In fact, in reality, it's the other way around. It's 70% click and collect and 30% home delivery. So, yeah, there's definitely an opportunity there to explore for, for U.S. retailers. Absolutely. And I think the key question there, uh, and I think the key challenge um, is, uh, you know, how to do it profitably. Because I think yeah. that's where I, I know when I talk to a lot of retailers and other companies, you, you know, and, and we'll talk about technology in, in just a minute here, but, you know, I think a lot of them, you know, are realizing that, you know, in order for them to do it profitably, they really have to rethink the way they do their, uh, yeah. you know, their operations. And, uh, you know, those that have been doing it with spreadsheets and fax machines and whiteboards, you know, yeah. are quickly realizing that they can't get away with that anymore. So, no, no. Um, but, but before we get into the technology piece, I mean, another thing here from kind of the U.S. standpoint that we kind of uh, read a lot in the papers and, and been following the news is obviously Brexit. Uh, you know, which has been going on for some time and it's still kind of in, in the news. I mean, is that having an impact on, on the transportation throughout Europe? Well, the real impact on transportation will largely depend if the UK government uh, will be able to reach an agreement with the EU. And then, of course, uh, what are the actual details of the agreement? But we can already see that the uncertainties uh, around surrounding Brexit uh, is particularly in, in terms of market access and border controls means that uh, transportation companies and shippers need to look at the various scenarios that might come out of these negotiations. And um, it, it might not be the perfect setup, but I think the, the, the industry body in the UK for, for road haulage, they clearly, that's the, 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 the trucking organization in the UK, they, they highlighted that it might not be the best solution, but it's almost perfect for them. And what is their main concern is... Um, the fact that uh, British companies, transportation companies, might not be able to transport uh, between countries in Europe in the future, which they can do at the moment, which, of course, can really impact their, 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 yeah, their, their profit margins. Um, so it's a big thing. The good thing for them is, is that uh, Theresa May and also Chris Grayling, who is Secretary of State for Transportation, he, they both have highlighted the importance of the transportation sector um, uh, to, the, to the UK. And of course, yeah, when you look at it, um, the, the, the actual cost. So if there are borders implemented uh, as a result of this, or uh, yeah, negotiations and new tariffs will come up, the cost of goods will go up. So 
uh, it's very likely that companies are going to look into transportation technology in a way to offset these uh, costs because otherwise they will have to pass on this yeah these tariffs onto the customers and that's yeah, the last thing that most of the retailers want to do at this point in time so yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting situation right right well it seems it seems like it's, it's certainly something that people need to really keep a pulse on and and depending on how it goes it could either you, you know, it could potentially, if it, if it doesn't go in the quote unquote right way, you know, it can add more yeah. complexity, more costs, more constraints yeah. to the, to the transportation puzzle that, that needs to yeah. be, uh, you know, resolved. So, so let's talk about technology now. And, yeah. and like I mentioned, you know, I know a lot of, I've been following, you know, the, the industry now for, for over 18 years. And, you know, it still surprises me that there are still a lot of companies out there that are still managing the transportation operations with spreadsheets and fax machines and, you know, whiteboards and, and all that, even though, you know, TMS solutions have been around for, for, for a long time. I mean, how would you characterize the state of, of TMS adoption and technology adoption, you know, there in Europe? I think the, the adoption of TMS is, is, is fairly good. I think what, what is the real challenge is if you look at the, the, the transportation market, the 10 largest transportation companies in Europe they only cover about 10% of the transportation market. So it's still largely fragmented. So 90% of the operators are like the, the single or like a, a couple of vehicles they operate in, in their, their business. So I think what the shippers are really looking at, at ways at unlocking that potential to work with those uh, yeah, smaller operators in the market, which they can't do at the moment because those smaller operators, they, they can't invest in, in technology the same way that the large transportation companies can do. Uh, one of the things that, that Manhattan has done as part of our uh, Manhattan uh, Active Transportation uh, solution, we've introduced something called TMS Mobile, which basically reduces the cost for uh, both their retailers and small operators to go in the tender process, the procurement of uh, the services that, that can be provided by the, the smaller operators, and also to provide that, that tracking, uh, the visibility of where the, or, where the goods are, because that's at the end of the day what, what the shippers do want. So we think there's an, an, yeah, a massive potential there for, for shippers to unlock that, that, yeah, that new ways to improve like, uh, the customer service, customer offering, and at the same time bringing down the cost of, of shipping. Yeah, I was going to ask, and you you brought it up because it, it seems to me that advancements that have been made with you know mobile technology, and you gave a great yeah. example there, um, you know GPS, uh, you know uh, here in the United States, you know there's regulations around ELDs, electronic logging devices, um, and the price points of those have come down, you know significantly. So it seems like you know every driver these days uh, probably has a smartphone of some sort, right? And uh, yeah. And because these devices are all have GPS in them and, and, and you can connect to cellular network as opposed to satellite, you know, the opportunity to now communicate and collaborate and send information, provide that visibility is greater than ever. Yeah, and that's exactly where the TMS Mobile is, is hitting it. It's, it's, yeah, it's freely available for, for the, the smaller operators. You can download it from an Apple uh, store or from the Google Play store and they can basically use it. So there's, there's not a lot of uh, yeah, technology required on their side because they will have that, like you said yourself, that mobile phone that has all the uh, technology that they need. So it's just an, a fantastic way to basically reduce the cost and to yeah, unlock new markets for both shippers and for transportation companies. 
Great, great. Now, you know, we, we talked about, you know, some of the complexity kind of in the grocery industry and what's happening there. We talked about, you know, Brexit and, and potentially some added, more added complexity there. Yeah. We talked about the Amazon effect and different fulfillment yeah. models. Um, you know, the, the way I see it is that, um, you know, that kind of screams for the need for companies to adopt optimization technology to yeah. kind of really, it's becoming increasingly difficult to kind of do this with even just Excel uh, macros. Uh, you know, a lot of times when companies have adopted TMS in the past, you know, they start out with the execution piece, right? Automate the things that they were doing manually. Yeah. And, and optimization was always a phase two. And, and sometimes I never even got to that phase two. Are you seeing the tide starting to turn there? Are you seeing companies saying, you know what, you know, we're going to make optimization part of phase one because we really need it. It has to be. It has to be. And, and, and people are looking at a, a constant optimization as well. So I think people even gone beyond that. And I think people recognize the need to be able to model their network on a regular basis because of the changing uh, behavior of, of consumers um, and all the other challenges. So it's a fast moving uh, yeah, supply chains, basically. And um, so, yes, definitely modeling is important there, but also like constant um, optimization. So they realize that in order to, to reduce the cost in their supply chain, they need to unlock all these different options that they've got and not have the, the static roots, if you like. Uh, it, it's constantly looking at like, hey, what's the best way of using our infrastructure that we have in place? Right, right. Yeah. So this whole concept, this whole area of dynamic or streaming optimization has certainly become yeah. you know, more and more important. And I think... You know, I think what makes it even more powerful or even realistic today is the fact that you've got with, you know, cloud computing and, you know, advancements in the algorithms and the mathematics behind yeah. it. I think, uh, you know, today, you know, it's, it's more of a reality than, than ever before. Uh, you know, Mark, we're, we're kind of running short on time here, so I'm just going to go right to my, to my last question. You know, as, yeah. as a way to, you know, wrap up, I mean, what advice would you give to transportation logistics, you know, executives who you know, dealing with, you know, these trends and challenges that, that we talked about. I mean, what, what action should they take, you know, today to make sure that they're positioned for success moving forward? Well, we've highlighted several times during our conversation, like the supply chains are in a state of constant flux. So, and to take into account like additional external factors like Brexit, uh, fast changing consumer buying behavior. That means that, um, and other complexities, that means that it highlights the, the dynamic nature basically of supply chains globally and you need to have the systems in place to allow you to automate like you said yourself optimize adapt and be better prepared for disruption with disruption because i think that is the key thing that people often forget is that planning your supply chain is one thing is dealing with the exceptions the disruptions to your business how do you handle that and if you don't have the the systems in place that can help you with the optimization and kind of the visibility in your network, yeah, you're going to lose out. So yeah, that, definitely a focus that needs to be in place. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. And I guess, you know, circling back to the technology piece, because the, the operating environment is so dynamic and you have to deal with exceptions and, you know, the, the transportation operating realities of today are not necessarily going to be the ones that the, the operating reality of tomorrow, maybe the processes that you need to enable uh, are going to continuously be changing. The technology needs to be, you know, to use the kind of, kind of the buzz terms that we like to use as analysts, you know, it needs to be, you know, agile, adaptable, easy to reconfigure, correct? Yeah, and absolutely. And that's especially when you talk to the, the shippers, the, 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 especially the grocery retailers, they, they will tell you that what's working today will, will not work for tomorrow. So that's yeah, definitely uh, the takeaway. 
Great. Well, Mark, I, I, uh, you know, I always like to say at the end of our uh, episodes, uh, we always just manage to scratch the surface on, on the topics that we cover, but I think we, we covered a lot of ground today and uh, I appreciate you making the time to share your perspective and insights and advice on, on this topic. Uh, you're very welcome. I'm looking forward to our next session. Great. Great. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I want to thank those of you that uh, joined us today. Uh, if you are watching this episode on demand, uh, either at the Manhattan Associates website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for uh, Mark, you can post it there, and I'm sure that he'd be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you all, and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.